Sometimes we struggle to believe we'll experience anything new each Advent season. What could we possibly learn that we haven't heard or seen before? But the season of Advent is a journey, and no journey is ever the same. This Advent at Second Presbyterian Church, we invite you to consider new ways of connecting to this ancient and beautiful story, a story that somehow simultaneously deals with the past, present, and future. Beginning November 27th and through Christmas Day, we will offer a sermon series titled, While We Are Waiting. Come with your questions and real-life struggles as we encounter the holy in our waiting. Let's pray. Most gracious God, in this worship, when we pause and do nothing, we ask that something be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Interesting. In the Gospels, Jesus is quite capable of harsh criticism, even condemnation, but almost always of men. The parable I'm about to read is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus offers anything that could be called harsh criticism of women. Now, some might peek over the fence to John's gospel and suggest that Jesus is at least a wee bit critical of the Samaritan woman at the well. But what some hear as criticism, I hear as Jesus offering empathy. But regardless, the way Jesus affirms and empowers a Samaritan woman far overwhelms any criticism offered. It's only with the parable of the wise and foolish virgins or better, the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids, where Jesus is harsh. Jesus just doesn't seem that interested in stories that cast women in a bad light, perhaps because Jesus knew of the unlevel living field of his culture and wasn't keen in doing what is so often done by others who choose the vulnerable to pick on or to be the butt of their jokes. Listen for the praise and criticism of the parable about wise and foolish waiting, wise and foolish watching, and listen for the word of God. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those young women got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other young women came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. 
Now, in a strange way, Jesus might be taking an equal rights, equal opportunity stand here. For after he tells this parable with wise and foolish women, he tells another parable about wise and foolish men. He tells of a master entrusting to three servants money to invest. Two manage the money wisely and return a profit. One squanders his opportunity to do something productive with what has been entrusted to him and buries the money. The parable with women and the parable with men have different points to make. The one with men is about wise action and foolish inaction. The one with women is about wise and foolish waiting. One might think of the first being about ethics and the second being about spirituality. But still, the parables are paired to contrast honor and dishonored. And paired as they are, they give equal opportunity for women and men to consider their own wisdom and foolishness. So what about these bridesmaids? What are the torches all about? I'll share some insights from what I studied, but I'll start with something that I experienced. I was one of those bridesmaids once. Well, actually, I was a groomsman, but I had the kind of experience that they were anticipating. My brother, Mark, was in a field facing Jill at a beautiful broken-down retreat in Massachusetts. Jill's family had rented the whole place. Mark in his kilt and Jill in Irish green exchanged vows and were proclaimed husband and wife. And then came a recessional from the wedding service in the field that became a processional to the wedding banquet in the barn as a bagpiper led the wedding party through the woods to where dancing and feasting awaited us. Only the dancing could not wait because the walk through the woods was so magical. The whole wedding party and then the guests behind us danced the entire half mile to where we would celebrate, eat, and dance again. That's the kind of experience that awaits the bridesmaids once the bridegroom arrives. In telling this parable, Jesus draws on a well-known tradition that he doesn't have to explain like I just did. How cool is it to begin the evening of a magical wedding day with a procession, with torches, lights, dancing in the air? I'm pretty sentimental and romantic, and I like the idea a lot. It is often the case that the bridesmaids would dance even when they got to the place where they were going. It's not something that a bridesmaid would want to miss. It takes some stamina, though. It requires some rest. Wedding festivities in Jesus' day lasted the better part of a week, often taking place in autumn when families and the community can gather after the demands of harvest let up and the evenings are cool. A great deal of preparation takes place before the wedding week, and several days of preparation takes place within the wedding week before this magical procession. But now the wedding is over, and they're waiting for the groomsmen to arrive. Musicians are ready. The food is prepared and awaits. There is nothing to do but watch and wait, for nothing is needed now except enough oil for the lamps. Enough oil. It's not safe for bridesmaids to be waiting in the dark, and so the lamps must burn while they wait. 
And it should not be a surprise that more oil might be needed. This is common sense. When the bridegroom arrives, it's not a set thing. I hope I don't have to tell you why he might be delayed, but it has something to do with this marriage becoming official. So there's really no excuse for some of the bridesmaids not to have extra oil on hand. But five are prepared for the bridegroom to be delayed, and five are not. And Jesus lets them have it. They are locked out when it comes time to feast and dance inside. Let's go back to the parable about the wise and foolish man. In that parable, waiting is condemned. A manager is condemned for not managing. It's a Wednesday parable about waiting instead of working. This parable with the women is a Sabbath parable. The bridesmaids are right to wait. They're not even criticized for sleeping. It's been an exhausting week, though fun. This isn't like the disciples falling asleep when they're supposed to be praying with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. No, the bridesmaids are doing what the Sabbath command calls us to do. Wait. Rest. But there is that big difference between one set of bridesmaids and the other. One group is prepared. The other is not. How fun would Christmas be if the tree hasn't been trimmed or presents wrapped? How fun will it be if the refrigerator and pantry is not stocked for the Christmas meal? Have you ever tried to do your Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve or waited till the last minute to put something together, assuming that the words on the box could be trusted, easily assembled? I've been there. I know all about my joy being robbed as I make my way through crowded stores staring at empty shelves or lose precious hours of sleep putting something together and then when I'm done putting it together wondering why there are parts still lying on the floor. Do I tell Millie about this or do I act like I've got it all under control and let Paige ride the thing and hope for the best? <laughs> Rhetorical question. You obviously just let Paige ride the thing and hope for the best. Two kinds of waiting. The difference is preparation. Or to desecularize my point, how meaningful is a Christmas Eve worship service if you don't know the stories? If you don't know that the good news of Christ's coming has nothing to do with the privileges of money and the glitter and tinsel of make-believe, but has everything to do with God becoming flesh, God meeting us in our mortality, God meeting us in our need, even in our sin, leaving us not abandoned outside with the door locked, but welcoming us into a banquet of grace. I know, I just changed the parable. Whether one has prepared or not prepared, the good news proclaimed at Christmas Eve on a Christmas Eve service is about God's unconditional love and amazing grace. Take seriously the news that God is in Christ reconciling the world to God's own self. And now the bridesmaids are not locked out, but the father of the bride takes mercy and unlocks the door and lets them in. That's the gospel. But it's not the parable. And we have to take the parable seriously because Jesus told the parable and Jesus is talking about something real. There is something to being prepared for amazing grace. 
or being numb to it. There's that famous story of Joshua Bell, a renowned violinist, performing in 2007 the first movement of Bach's Violin Concerto and nobody hearing it, enjoying it. They're not prepared. They were not watching for this. They had not bought tickets in advance. They did not look forward to the arrival of the day of the concert. They did not dress up go to a concert hall, sit in the auditorium waiting for the curtain to rise. There was not that period of hush and expectant silence before Bell began to play. Unadvertised and unidentified, Bell masterfully played the piece in Washington's Union Station with everyone rushing on by to get to where they were going, missing the beauty offered them. They were not prepared for Bell to play. They were not prepared for the bridegroom to arrive. There is a reason for all that we do during Advent to prepare for Christmas Eve. The Advent devotions and calendars, the calls to worship and the lighting of candles, the liturgy and the sermons, the reading of passages about who it is that we are waiting for watching for, passages about who is coming and why there is a celebration and feast when that one arrives. When the Christmas Eve service finally arrives, our doors are not locked. The worship experience is open to all who come, but I have to think that it's experienced differently by those who come because it's what you do and those who see the service as something to get through, to get to the fun of Christmas, like rushing past a virtuoso violinist. And those who see the service as telling us that we're not alone, but that one is coming who will lead us to the banquet where there is finally nothing to do but to feast and to dance and who come because they know that's the point of it all. I don't want to sound like the minister who thinks that uh, our traditions of Christmas are themselves what Christmas is all about. As much as I love our Christmas traditions and Christmas Eve services, they are not the point. Christmas is celebrated differently in other places. Our traditions are meant to do what traditions are meant to do, point beyond themselves to that which we cannot see but which is very real, God among us, to help us look beyond ourselves to recognize God among us and in us. And in telling this parable, Jesus wouldn't want his listeners to think that he's simply talking about the traditions of weddings or about making sure that you have enough oil for your lamps or batteries for your toys. He is talking about the spiritual life and particularly how we can prepare for when some faithful witness will be required of us. He could just as easily tell a parable about the waiting that comes with going to school and the difference between those who want to pass the classes and those who want to learn and prepare for life or the waiting that comes with loss and grief and the difference between those who are just trying to get past it and those who want to get through it in order to heal the waiting that comes with conflict and the difference between those who are trying to win or at least survive and those who are seeking to reconcile. It is the interior work of waiting he is speaking of. 
the ways that we can prepare to recognize the signs of God. Prayer that listens more than speaks so that one might actually gain insight, find comfort, or accept what simply cannot be changed. Learning the stories of Scripture and the wisdom of the church so that one might, when the moment comes, know better what to do when something graceful needs to be done. Attending to the duties of devotion to God so one can better understand devotion to others. When the opportunity comes to turn away wrath and answer cruelty with kindness, do we know what kindness looks like when that happens? Or when a friend or neighbor is hurt or crushed by tragedy, will you have any idea how to respond? Or will you run out of oil by trying to just stay away or trying to answer what cannot be explained or provide a solution when it's understanding and compassion that is needed? Or will you be ready to find what is possible within limitations when limitations become real? To love after loss or to know that you are worthy when you can no longer work. The banquet that Jesus describes is life with God beyond the limits of life now lived. It's that realm of God where sins are forgiven, where enemies are reconciled. It is that day beyond all days, but which also can be today, when we know that God is with us and that all things will be made well with him. It is a banquet to prepare for because we don't want to be without oil now or later when it's time to bear the torch and dance. Foolish bridesmaids want what they will not ready themselves for. Can we not learn from the wise bridesmaids? Can we not prepare ourselves to be who we need to be when it's time to pick up the torch and follow? Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.